0: This week's episode of the Screenwriters Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audiotapes or film rules that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVgearguy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention the screenwriters' Rant Room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com.
1: I'ma say what I feel, and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Rant Room. Ooh, ooh, ooh.
2: the room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Well, we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it
3: what Lee Scenario 2020. 2020. Does yeah. it, okay? Does Fall off. are we really counting this year? Isn't this like a leap year for real? Like, are we really counting this? <laughs> it
4: should
3: be
2: garbage. It should not be garbage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway. I got college glover. Exactly. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Uh, As you see, Lisa Bolacaja is in the building. With my tea. Exactly. I'm being good today, I'm not
3: drinking a martini.
2: She's usually drinking a martini, for Felicia. Yes. Really?
5: I was I like, is it a hot toddy? Is it whiskey in the tea, though? <laughs> no, no. It's just, it's just regular
3: okay. Scottish tea, being on my best behavior. Yeah, um, right. After this, I'll get into the martini. But yes, it's a nice Scottish tea.
2: <laughs> anyway, Chris Derrick is out today. He's busy. Um, got a bunch of good shit going on. So I'm like, go ahead and handle that business. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got my girl sitting in with us today, Ariel Ramos.
4: Yeah. Here, Ariel. Hey. How Ariel? All right. Yeah. I'm good. How are you guys?
2: We're all good. We're all good. We're all good. So, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and just jump right into the show. So, today we got my girl, Felicia Pride, on the show. Writer, director, producer herself. The OG.
3: Hey. Yes. Oh, yes. OG. The young, the, triple <laughs> the, the
2: young G. The young G.
3: The,
5: the
2: young OG. <laughs> the old young happened. G.
5: That's what I am. The old young yeah.
2: G. I think we... Felicia, well, we've been talking about having you on the show for at least a year or two. Yeah, like. yeah. Like I'm so
5: glad we were able um, to make it happen. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah,
2: I wish I wish it was in person, but you know what? We'll have to do it again. Yeah, there I'm we up, go. We got 10 more projects coming on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. so welcome to the show, everybody. Felicia Pride. What's up, girl?
5: Hey, thank you so much. I feel, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm feeling a little giddy. Like, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> thank y'all. <laughs> thank y'all. Awesome. Yes. That's your, that's your yes.
2: So let's go ahead and just jump in. On, on you, uh, won't you tell some of the listeners like who you are, like where you grew up and how you got into the game?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I am from originally from Baltimore, uh, although I lived partly in New Jersey for a little bit and then moved back to Baltimore when I was like 11. And so I went to school there, went to Towson State. Um, and I wasn't one of those who, like, oh, I knew I wanted to be a writer since I was five. Like, I had no idea what I was going <laughs> to do with my life. I was like, hmm, let me major in business. Sound like you can get a job. So that's what I did. Right. Um, and I got a job after college in business, um, in marketing. And, and then I found myself really bored. I was so bored at work. So I was just looking for places to write. I remember I started out writing really bad poetry. Um, <laughs> deaf <Well>. poetry. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you know, like my daddy issues. and. Exactly. You know, you know, dating, and um, <laughs> but I would you, post them. you had metaphors and similes. I did. I, I mean, I, I could have rhymed. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, I, bars. Exactly. Bars. Exactly. I just didn't have no flow. So <laughs> I would post them on Deaf Poetry Jam. Like, yeah. they had a, a, a forum. Mm-hmm. And so I would post them and people would comment. I mean, sometimes the comments were great, but the fact that people sure. were commenting mm-hmm. <laughs> was like a big deal to me. So that just led me to search out more opportunities. And I landed this internship, even though I was working full time, at this community newspaper out of Staten Island called Black Rain News. Mm-hmm. Basically, the publisher, Rand Tuff, would just let us write and he would publish us in his na- in his print newspaper. So my first published piece ever was a review of No More Drama by... Mary yeah. J. Blige, Yay. Yeah. Yay. And I was like, Oh, I know Mary. I didn't know anything about music criticism, but I was like, I can write about Mary and he published it and sent it to me. And when I saw my name in print, it was kind of like a wrap. So mm. I got my start in writing, like through basically, um, I became a freelance journalist, cultural mm. and entertainment journalist for a long time. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I really want to expand my craft. And I was really fascinated by books. So I went back to school. I went to Emerson in Boston to, and I got my MA in um, writing, literature, and publishing, so yeah. that I could write, but also like have a job because I was always having one step, one foot in the practical, quote unquote. Right. Um, and so once I was done with grad school, I moved to New York and worked in book publishing, and then wrote books. So I wrote six books during that time, um, and then book publishing became. What
2: were the, what were the, What kind of topics were you were you talking? About? Well,
5: uh, a lot of them. Two of them were for YA, so they were young mm-hmm. adult. Um, but one that's like my baby book, the book that like I, I want to say most proud, because you want to say you're most proud of your one kid, you know, out of the six. But <laughs> mm-hmm. the hip-hop uh, one, the hip-hop <laughs> book, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Message, 100 Life Lessons from Hip-Hop's Greatest Songs because it's yeah. a yes. around the country. Yes. We did, did a ma- uh, curriculum for that book. It was taught at NYU. It was taught in middle schools in Baltimore. Like it was that- Grandmaster Flash yeah. title. So yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but then publishing became really hard or books became hard. I don't know. But I, I made the fatal mistake for myself and I stopped writing. Um, I got a job, which I should have done because I needed to get a job. But I should have got a job and kept writing. But alas, I stopped writing and I was running a marketing marketing consultancy um, for about seven years. And uh, I didn't, then I came to a point where I was uh, burnt out. I was tired of chasing checks and I was in service of other creators which I love to do but I was like I ain't making shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not creating anything. Right, right. I want to get back to my writing roots and that's when my mentor at the time was like well what do you want to do? And I was like I want to write and create and I want to move into film and TV as a medium because I was like trying to learn a little bit about screenwriting and that was five years ago and she was like you should move to LA and I did and I was 35 years old so wow. here I
2: am. I love it. That's yeah. good. See, because so let me let me ask you this question. We're going to jump a little bit. Um, so from the time you moved to LA to the time you got Queen Sugar, was that three years, two years,
5: two and a half years, essentially? Two and
2: a half years. Okay. See, that's really good. See, most people come here, and would you say Lisa at least five years before they get a break? Oh yeah. You know, if even
3: even if, if even longer, if even that,
2: yeah. yeah. But that, those are really good odds.
5: Yeah, I, and I know it. <laughs> I think I think there was a couple of things going for me. I think age helped. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think a lot of this business is navigating people. Um, and having had that experience helped a lot. I think also having been a writer, even in a different form, I had voice going for me before I learned structure. Mm-hmm. Right. So when people were, like, reading my badly structured screenplays, they still felt voice and they could still read voice and were like really in a rock with me as I was, um, getting better as a writer as a as a writer for film and tv so i think those things helped tremendously but also then i also did a lot of self-work i gotta tell you like i got my ass aligned (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) like for real in addition to the craft work of taking lots of classes and being in writers groups and being out and about and networking and all that i also did a lot of self-work to make sure that i was aligned with what i wanted um and what i thought i deserved and all of that so
2: let me ask you, what do you think you mean when you say that? Because a lot of people think self-work means, oh, I need to let my boyfriend go who is abusive to me. Let's just say, you know, what do you think, what do you think that meant for you? Like, uh, for me,
5: I realized that I had fears around a lot of things, fears around success. Mm-hmm. Um, I had fear around writing because I had put so much baggage around writing that it had to financially sustain me and quote unquote when it didn't. Right. I felt resentful, so I had to get rid of that. Um, and then also just, like, how I thought about myself, my self-worth. Like, I had a lot of baggage and shit that I had to unpack and get rid mm-hmm. of um, so that I could really, really go f- full-heartedly into this, this space of writer and reclaim that title for myself.
2: Okay. Oh, I love that. Because I think, I think people need to hear that. People don't quite always realize, you know, <clears throat> that you're in the way of your, of your, of your success. You know, Lisa knows we've known each other for, you know, 15 years now. And I got to tell you that until two or three years ago, I was in the way of all my success.
5: Mm.
2: How did you, how did, I'm
5: about to interview you. How did you, how did you you realize that? And then how did you fix that?
2: I realized that I had a huge, um, showrunner to my office. And at the time I was about to go produce this, um, this pilot in louisiana mm-hmm. and then i was in the middle of directing this documentary so and, and here we are like i'm sitting here in my office now on the lot and i realized the perception that people have of me and then i'm doing just as good as they are mm-hmm. you know they see me i dress a certain way mm-hmm. i have a cool car you know mm-hmm. what i mean i have mm-hmm. a cool office like all these so people go oh, he's doing great you know he's already producing and i realized and Lisa already know this and so does um Ariel, I had to change my perception of who I was. Mm-hmm. So I had to start going, oh, yeah, I'll tell people, yes, I'm doing these things, but I'm also willing to do this thing, you
5: mm-hmm. know? So, mm-hmm. like, when
2: I first got my job on the last show that I was on, <clears throat> I, I had to go all the way to the bottom, even though I'm already, you know, an EP, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Own, yeah. I produced yeah. over 28 projects, you know? Yeah. And, and, but I was willing to get into the network side from the bottom up, Yeah, you know? I knew that just getting in would allow me to start getting more and more, um, even, even um, developing jobs just because I was on something before, you know what I mean? And that's what happened. So now I'm coming in through the co-EP level just because of that, you Mm -hmm, know what I mean? mm -hmm. But I I had it planned, you Mm -hmm. know, but I had to, I had to get past myself knowing that it was me who was in the way because because of the perception I gave off. You
5: know what I mean. I mean, I think that's huge because um, I think ego is big too. So when I first moved out here, I was working in film distribution because it was directly connected to a lot of the marketing work that I was doing before beforehand. So I had a job that I liked. I was like going to Sundance for free and helping filmmakers and um, on the VP track and then I got laid off. And that's when I had to say, oh shit, like I was devastated, but also I was like, but I, but you came out here to write. So what I did was I started taking a whole bunch of odd jobs, like jobs that I was hiring for, I started to like apply because I was like, I needed stuff that was easy, virtual um, that I could really, really prioritize writing. And I remember one time I, I was a, like a coordinator um, for a a producer that I used to, an impact producer that I used to hire out, she's like, you don't want to run the campaign? I was like, absolutely not. I was like, because if I run this campaign, I don't have time to write. You know what I mean? I was like, you just tell me what to do and I'll do that. Um, And so that was very humbling, but it also was necessary for me Mm -hmm. to get my writing portfolio up, for me to uh, prioritize writing, and then also for me to change the public perception, right? Because Mm -hmm. at that time, people were starting to First of all, everybody forgot I was a writer because I forgot I was a writer, but also they were like, oh, you're an exec, you're an exec, you work in some right. distribution. And I was like, no, I had to like slowly, surely change the public narrative. Like, no, no, I'm a writer. So, yeah, I, I totally understand the humility and like moving past ego um, and also seeing how different opportunities can lead to like the big, the big vision. Right, right,
2: for sure, for sure. Um, and Lisa and Ariel, you guys can jump in anytime. You know, we'll I'm just have, I'm,
3: we'll just, real, I'm just real curious, Felicia. How mm-hmm. soon when you came out to LA did you get into Film Independent? Because you were a Film Independent fellow, correct? Yes. Was um,
5: a, yeah. Yeah. So that was 2017. Okay. So I moved in 2015. So basically, I came out here with one feature that I wrote 10 years ago that became Really Love, that was produced by Macro. supposed yeah. to. Um, uh, supposed to premiere at South by Southwest this year, but unfortunately it did not. So I came out here with that feature um, and it took me 10 years to sell that film. Yeah. <laughs> but that film was, is what got me into film independent uh, the screenwriting lab, yeah. Okay. My
4: question is what about the uh, NBC Writers on the Verge program?
5: Then I did that the next year. Okay. So I did 2017 was Film Independent, 2018 was writer, Writers on the Verge. Um, and I did that for comedy. Um, in between there, I sold. No, afterwards I sold a, a drama pilot, and then I got staff.
4: Did you? What was the like impetus for you to switch to comedy
5: instead of? Because like I know you're drama more into right. the drama writing now. So right. yeah, um, <laughs> I think it was because I was specing. I was doing specs of a half hour. So my first mm-hmm. spec was like a broad city when right. I was first going for the fe- fellowships, um, mm-hmm. and then I spec Atlanta. So, but I was never like. Uh, sitcom it was never funny funny you know what yeah, I mean mm-hmm. it was like yeah, situationally funny yeah, so mm-hmm. what was interesting was coming out of Writers on the Verge the one feedback that Karen Horn who you know ran the program and is amazing mm-hmm. she was like you should write an hour long she's like there's more opportunities in drama I think you can do it mm-hmm. so that's what I did and that hour long got me staffed on Queen Sugar okay. wow.
2: Let me ask you a question. How many times did you submit to those programs? Did you get in the first time you submitted?
5: No. So I submitted, like, I think maybe the first year I came out here and I didn't know what I was doing because I didn't realize how important the bio piece of it, the bios and the essays and Mm -hmm. having a cohesive package. So I did one year, skipped a year, and then I did the next year and I really was like, you know, digging into what successful applications look like. I took the fellowship class at Script Anatomy um, and really got my package tight. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah.
3: I was reading on Twitter. I forget what producer it was. They had did a thread and they talked about that. They said, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're going for these fellowships and things like that, the thing that people always forget is that essay in their personal bio. Yes. They'll get all the other stuff and it'll be like, well, that's not really, I mean, your writing should speak for itself, but they also want to know you, what are your goals and your output? And I thought that was so cool that they just said it, just finally just said it, like, look, that other component is just as important. And if that's not tight, you know. I think the person
4: who ran CBS, the CBS-
5: Carol Kushner. Yeah. Was, I actually, and I yeah, worked exactly. with Carol as a career yeah. coach. She worked as a career coach. That's another thing I did. I was like, I need to figure out how to navigate this world. Um, and she was mm-hmm. she was amazing to work with. But what I realized about the fellowships too is that it, it, they also want you to tell a story with your application. Right, right? right. So for the application that I got in on, it was, um, I spec Atlanta. And also I took a big ass swing with my spec. Like my my Atlanta spec takes place in Purgatory. Um, Oh, that's cool. Whitney Houston is in it. Tupac is in it. It's like a big, big, yeah, it's a big swing. Um, But it also deals with um, father-child relationships. Mm -hmm. And then my bio is about, and my personal essay is about my relationship with my father and storytelling. And then my original pilot is about a father-daughter relationship. So you have those
2: themes. Those themes. very thematically
5: linked. And I think that helps to also show, like, you know, who you are as a writer, but also, like, how you can weave in your personal experience and all that, and then past the application process, they also want to make sure that you like can, because the word that Kirk Moore talks about it, you know, Kirk, mm-hmm. yes. is um, mm-hmm. you know that, and he shout has out a wonderful Kirk. shout out to Kirk. Mm-hmm. He has a wonderful yes. YouTube um fellowship webinar that he recently did that you can watch on um, YouTube. But he talks about, you know, just needing to be more open during the interview process. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of like, they want to know that you can be open in writer's rooms that you have experience right. to share, that you have stories to share. So the, all, the whole thing is like important. Every single step is equally important.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I talk about it all the time, uh, even on the podcast about <clears throat> about the writer's room and, and I know that, um, for example, about a week or two into the writer's room on Deadly Class, um, we were going around the room and everybody was just telling their story, right? And, I got, and they got to me and I was telling them about, you know, grow up in, growing up in the hood and being in the gang and, you know, getting into the punk rock scene and all this and this. <clears throat> and I started telling them about a story about being on the, on the corner running into one of my homeboys back in the gang days, who was a full on real hardcore gangbang game bigger and a drug dealer. And I was telling the story about how a, um, uh, a crackhead came up and shot him in the head and blood went all over. And when I told the story, I was bawling. I'd never told the story in my life. Wow. I was bawling telling the story. And I looked around, uh, I almost thinking about, it, I get to that. And I looked around the room and every person in the room was into everybody.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the showrunner got up and started pacing. And he said, you know what? I want to hear this type of stories from everybody. Mm, wow. I need you to pour your heart out to me. Yeah, This is a safe place, right? So what, I've, what, I, what I'm saying is I knew being somebody, and Lisa knows me for you know, all these years, mm-hmm. we are very comfortable telling you our truth. Yeah, Very, very comfortable. Yeah. And I knew that the writer's room needed to be the place where you can do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm always telling writers, if there's a secret about yourself that you're not comfortable telling, the writer's room is probably not for you. Right. You mm-hmm, know. Right. You don't want to be in a room yeah. where you're like, you know.
5: Yeah, I don't really want it's to tell my mom
2: that my mom was an alcoholic. No, bitch, go in. Right, right. It's very true. Right, it's very true.
5: It's very, very true. And you can tell. And I think that's also why a lot of the self work I did too was about just opening myself up. You know what I mean? Right. To be able to be comfortable in spaces and and be able to do it quickly, right? Like you mm-hmm. know, with eight quote unquote strangers, ten. How many? of your writers mm-hmm. were right, but quickly. So yeah, yeah,
3: right. for sure. Okay. Now,
5: can we jump into your short?
3: <laughs> yes. Because absolutely. you mm-hmm. do something, okay, her short, everybody, it's, it's called Tinder. Mm-hmm. And you do something that I love and I wish more writers would do this, is that you, you know, because I, I watched it like three or four times. I did too. And I was like, <laughs> you have an ability of, of putting things in there, the power of the unsaid. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't use, ex- a lot of times people in shorts will use all kinds of expository stuff because right. they think they're not gonna get it. They're not gonna mm-hmm. understand what's going on. But you, in the short, there are quick visual cues mm-hmm. and in the silences you allow the viewers to like sit. Mm-hmm. It's in the eyes. And yes. look at the characters mm-hmm. and they're able to convey which most writers would probably be writing like pages of scripts. Mm -hmm. and you don't need to do that and so is that is that something that you do a lot in your work or is that just something for this particular piece that you felt needed to be done because it's like I wish more writers would do that because I don't think they trust the audience enough to be able to sit in silence and to be able to to understand what's happening get the subtext or the nuances without overriding the scenes.
5: Sure. Well, I thank you for that because I think I, I think in my work traditionally, first of all, I overwrite and I love dialogue. So I'm like, woo, I gotta watch this short. You know what I mean? But, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, um, I think, I think it's, I think it's two things. I think that, um, it's part of this in the performances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and, and letting, and letting the, scene, the scenes breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, this script was 10 pages, and I thought I was going to be able to keep this short at 10 minutes. The short is 14 minutes and 53 right. seconds. And mm-hmm. that's because I think a lot of the scenes breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's partly post. I think it's partly performances. But in terms of the writing, um, I, 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 I want to say that this was intentional. But... Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to drop people in, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't Mm want to have to over-explain. where where, I just wanted us to just be with them in the moment, in each moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So that may have been where that writing feels like, the the Mm -hmm. sort of unsaid is that I just wanted to drop us in. I didn't want... To explain everything that happened before and explain right. explain, I just wanted to drop us into this moment. Well, you you wanted to
2: start you wanted here. to start late, not early. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and
5: the moment that these two women were sharing, I just wanted us to be there with that, right? right. You know, as they were experiencing it, you know. So.
2: Yeah, and Lisa and I talk a lot about our favorite thing in the in the opening of a script is curiosity,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? And I think that's why I watched it two or three times, right? Because I was like, well, I'm. kidding. She jumps right in on her in the mirror, talking to herself, going, "What the fuck? Like right, you, right. You fucking idiot, you know? What right. I mean? like, you're like, well, what the fuck is she talking about? Right. You know what I mean? You're curious until boom, you reveal what it is. They're and like, you know what's oh, interesting you
5: know? about that is that I had a scene before that, and I cut it because right, I wanted to start with curiosity. I had a yeah. scene of her going to the bathroom, so we knew what the setup was. Okay. We saw her getting out of bed with this woman. We knew what the and I was like, cut that. Right. Let's go. And I literally cut it like two days before production. I was like, cut it. And mm-hmm. let's go just right into the bathroom. So thank you. That worked. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? yes. Yes. Yes.
4: Also, I just noticed like immediately it was just such from a female perspective and having that quiet moment in the bathroom. And even though I didn't know what the scar was, even just having that scar, the anxiety she mm-hmm. felt from having that scar was just like. I've been there. I've felt that because every woman has felt insecure about their bodies in some way, and it's so rarely portrayed on screen that insecurity. And I felt, oh my god, how fucking refreshing that we get to see (laughs) this moment because, like, the male gaze and and is so thank you. What we see through, and it was just like, oh my god, yes, this is real. Yes, what it fucking is. And listen, instantly, I was like. Yeah, you have me, girl. Yes. And
3: listen, Ariel, the scene where they're like (laughs) dancing together and they're like, like when you talk about the male gaze, like the male gaze would have been focused all kinds of crazy places. But it was like, the camera rests on them just being, girl, they just shake. they just shake the masses in a circle. And it's not like, (laughs) and and it's not exploitive. It's not like, ooh. Never once. It's like. Never once. They are enjoying themselves. This woman is embracing her body again. Like you said, she's probably had these insecurities. Exactly. You know, she's not trusting yet. And here's a person who's a little bit freer, who may have their own issues too, but...
4: Right, different. Allowing to create girls. that
3: space to be, th- to be this woman to let herself go and be. And then, like you said, when you have those moments to breathe, and yes. then when it ends, you're like, I, my anxiety level is like, oh shit, she's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> that last oh, moment. Oh, that last moment when... Ooh, yes, yes. Yes. yes, oh. And I'm like, oh, I want to be in the room with them. Yes. I want to <laughs> hang out with them. In the uh, room where it happens? Yes! <laughs> I, I love that. I There's also to just me. so
4: many moments of real connection that I think is so hard to achieve, not only in writing, but obviously in your directing, which was such oh. a testament to you. But, like, yeah. I think men, again, <laughs> I find it very hard to capture, or at least yes. that I've seen, and it was just like, a woman, finally, like, this is what I, as a a woman, do not see on screen, like, ever in Mm -hmm. these female relationships, whether that be man-woman, woman-woman, man-man, whatever. It's just not portrayed. And, you know... um, it was like these quiet moments, you know, when they were sharing these traumatic things that have happened to them, you know, whether that was Lulu sharing with Kiana, Kiana sharing with Lulu, whatever it was, you know, um, both of them, Mm -hmm. you know, when her boyfriend was the one that made her quit acting basically, or when it was her sharing where her scar came from, they were both scared to share those things and there was risk involved and they took those risks, they took a leap and then it was like those quiet moments of did I just risk it all? And then am I going to lose this person now? And you could see the beats there and the fear there. And I was like, I have been there, oh my God, yes! (laughs) Yes, And then the validation (laughs) they felt afterwards. And you didn't overplay it, you didn't overwrite it. And I was just like, how have I been here so many times in so many moments? Right. And not seeing this on screen. I was right. blown away by this short. True.
5: Right. Yeah, y'all about to make me cry. No, for And I'm going to send this to my mama too, but like. I really need it. <laughs> oh, it's, still I, need it. it's was, so needed. I um, was, one thing that was really important to me was to have a female cinematographer because mm. I felt, and so our cinematographer, Ludovica Isadori is, a, oh, she's just amazing. She's amazing. But it was so important to me because of that male gaze. Right. So I was like, mm. I want a female lens, even if my lens is, like the intentional vision. I still literally need a female (laughs) lens. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Ludovica had that camera the entire time on her strapped on her that mini alexa um so that's her moving with them that's her because mm-hmm. yeah, um, i watched the behind
2: the scenes step I yeah started.
5: yeah so it was really really important for that and she and i had a lot of conversations about that like that sensuality and that intimacy and um you know just coming up with comps that really really mm-hmm. showcase that and then it was like the performances of pharrell walker kiana mm-hmm. who i met in a directing workshop so before i tipped my toe in. I took a bunch of directing classes focusing on directing actors and she was one of the actors and I was blown away and I wanted to work with her so bad but I couldn't and I just kept her in mind and I was like this part is for her and then Trishana Clark who played Lulu the younger Mm -hmm. character just came into the casting room with so much like sensual power and I was like Uh, Jesus uh, and so I I just gorgeous too gorgeous and like Gave Ooh. Pharrell a run for her money because Pharrell has right. so much presence right. and like so um I, I I kudos to to my fantastic collaborators who just poured their all into it. Um yeah, yeah.
2: I think that um <clears throat> I related to this even as a man. As a gay man, duh. Um, <laughs> shut up, Yeah. Um, <laughs> related to this in a lot of ways because, and I think it was the fact that she had the scar that mm. made me relate the most. Mm. For the, some people who know me, I was born with a hole in my heart, so I have a big scar in my chest. Mm. So until three years ago, and I'm in good shape, I never show my body. Mm-hmm. As you may have noticed on the internet or on my Facebook page, and every, I just started posting photos of myself like in a tank top or, mm-hmm. I mean, in the mm-hmm. last three years. But I had this awakening moment where I was like, I always see myself as that seven-year-old kid or everybody teased who had that scar when we're at the pool, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. even though I have ripped abs. In my head, I'm still the little kid with this weird thing on my body. Mm-hmm. And so I, we, we were in... We're in Phoenix for my 47th birthday three years ago. And I was sitting there. I was at the pool and I just got the camera and I raised it up and I did a shot of myself. And I was like, wow, I look great. Like I never saw myself that way. I love that. And I started bawling. Oh. And I was like, I'm taking the power back. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what made me love her. Mm-hmm. She was taking the power back. The, 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 um, um the, the other character helped her do it, yeah. you know? And, and Lulu, Lulu helped her do it, you know what I mean? I, I did it for myself, you know? Even yeah. though my husband has told me for years, oh, you're gorgeous, whatever. I'm like, yeah, oh, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But my, it was me. I had to have that epiphany moment. Absolutely. And vice versa,
4: you know? Because then Lulu, they're reading from the plays again. She re- gets yeah. to, you know, act again. And, like, how long has it been that she's got to be free and do what she loves to do again, you know? Yeah. They healed each other, and that was in that i felt like you took us through the evolution of a whole ass relationship you know <laughs> to the end of the beautiful part in 14 fucking minutes and that is hard <laughs> to do thank I mean, you. It beautifully really thank it, you I, was amazing.
5: well what's so interesting is that these two characters came from a pilot came from the hour long that karen told me to write um which is basically about five black women who live in a gated community and um Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, so Kiana's one of the main five women and um, I just I, the, the characters because they're so much me in a lot of ways they just I was like when I was thinking about this short and I was like I wanted something that was producible I wanted something but still impactful. Yeah contained smart. two actors, yeah. one location, one yeah. day but characters who I felt like would really really have an impact and, and I was like oh Keanu and Lulu and that's so that's Mm -hmm. what it came from that was from a pilot I mean the pilot's very soapy it's very desperate housewives Mm -hmm. meets like uh (laughs) uh, real housewives but um (laughs) it's very soapy but so this is different tonally um Mm -hmm. but the characters and what they what they share um, was able to translate over so
2: and that was the script you used that got you on Queen Queen Sugar Sugar. yeah okay -hmm. speaking of that I, I don't mean to jump off of this at all uh, but how did you get Queen Sugar? How did that come to you?
5: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a traditional route. So my, so I wrote that hour long, um, and uh, my reps at the time, I was at CAA before, you know, the whole dispute and everything and they submitted it to anthony sparks who's amazing i know he was on the show yes uh anthony is amazing 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 um so he read it and i got a meeting and then our meeting went really really well um and then i talked to ava and Mm -hmm. that meeting went well and then y'all see y'all see how
2: she just called her ava like that's her (laughs) cousin or something
5: (laughs) <laughs> that's all that but I do know Ava from a, for, from a while for, for okay. years like she was one of the um, uh, when she was touring with her hip hop documentary This Is The Life I Was So Copies of so my book The Message at oh. Black Lily in Philly and I just remember she yes. came up she was tall and she mm. was beautiful and I was like who is this and she bought a copy of my book and um, oh, cool. yeah we stayed in touch and um, I did the production notes for I Will Follow back in the day and mm. um but I, you know, I um, it took me a long time to get myself together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was like three, it was full circle to be able to work on her show and work with her again and um, her being so supportive of me through all my transitions um, and still, you know, just rooting for me and it's been amazing. And then Anthony being an amazing leader in the room, like talk about what a showrunner what a, what a showrunner can look like. You know yeah. what I mean? Like inclusive and kind and committed to excellence mm-hmm. and um, amazing writer and uh, teacher. Like, mm-hmm. so I was and blessed. A- and Anthony's always been like
3: that since back in our days, the old yeah. days. Like mm-hmm. he was always like that, always supportive. So I'm glad that now that he's made it, he's the same. He's same. the same dude. Same, same dude. Guy. Same dude. So that's yeah. so
5: amazing. Like it was, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was a tremendous blessing.
2: Mm-hmm. that's awesome that's awesome now I had a I had an epiphany two questions has Ava seen has Ava seen this yet do you know
5: I, I, I sent it to her because she was one of our big um, right. donors to mm-hmm. I crowdfunded for tender Okay. Um, and Ava came through like I was like we were the because it was the middle of the campaign. I don't right. know if you crowdfunded that middle of that campaign. Yes. Be making you question your life. <laughs> so I, I was like, and I was like, oh my God. it was like perfect timing. And she's been such such a supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have sent it to her. So
2: okay, because here's what I thought after I watched it twice. I went, why do I see Felicia directing an episode of Queen Sugar? In the next year or two, I I the style, I receive it. I the receive style it. But the, of the way you directed, I was like, yes. you can blend right in. Yeah, right. you. know, right. all you have you. to do is 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 um is follow somebody for maybe a week, and you got it. Oh, oh, thank deep
5: you. planted. Yeah, <laughs> I, I received that, but I, that is up to Miss Duvernay. No. You know what I
2: Don't mean? 10 <laughs> when you do it, that's all um, I love
5: I, it. But I, I, that would be amazing. But you know, I, I, what it was for me is for me is kind of how I operate. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if it's in the cars, you know, that would be amazing. All right, so
3: I need to know because what? from seeing your short, I know you bring good stuff. I wanna just tell me about the um really love because the whole thing cause when when I was on IMDB I'd like so all right, DC, gentrification, black artists, this is like black sexy art the stuff I love. <laughs> 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 yeah. So can you tell me what's
5: going on with that? Because that that's my jam. Yeah, I mean you know, it's independent film. We were supposed to premiere at South by Southwest. Um, so I think that we're still looking for a buyer at this point. But, mm-hmm. you know, th- that project, which again, took me 10 years to sell. Um, it also was a lesson in that a film is a director's medium. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like I, I, that's you hand it off to the mm-hmm. director and hope for the best. And, you know, Angel and I had a really lovely collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of that, but um, yeah, so it, it is inspired by my time living in D.C., because I moved here from D.C., Okay, um, and being an artist, and you know, it's funny, because I had, I, had I had an ex tell me one time, like, oh, um, the reason why Basically just like implying that it was because I was an artist and I was a flaky artist that I to <laughs> <laughs> that's why we didn't work out. And so I, I think about that a lot. Um, so that's, that's partly what the film is inspired by and has a backdrop of gentrification. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's really love. That's really love. Hmm. Oh, wow. I'm ready to see it.
3: I'm ready to see it. For sure, for sure. And now the fact that you mentioned that you wrote a, a script for, for Atlanta, one of my favorite shows, what it deals in port control, I have to read that.
5: <laughs> everybody to read it. I will, send it I, to to yes. I will send it to y'all. I will send it to y'all everybody read. to read it because I, I do
3: love that script. Re- I <laughs> want to read that because it sounds like your style it was like that kind of surreal. It kind of seems mm-hmm. like you're very eclectic, you know, just, just like I said, just from writing, looking at the short mm. and especially in terms of the music you know, mm-hmm. uh chosen for the short. And I'm like, okay, I I recognize those spade those kind of creative the collective that, that kind of different type of blackness, a different type of nuanced blackness we don't get to see mm-hmm. that often. And um I I guess what I'm saying is I would like to see more of it, please. Make it happen. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Please. I
5: mean well, so my production company's called Felix and Annie because i I feel like I'm very dichotomous. Um and uh because my father was like a entrepreneur, a dreamer. My mother's very practical. My father's from West Baltimore. My mother's from East Baltimore, um, and we we were lived in New Jersey for part of the time, and then we lost mm-hmm. everything and had to move back to Baltimore. So the, the, I deal a lot with class. I deal a lot with the American dream mm-hmm. um, class between in families, right. <laughs> class outside right. of families, right? Um, I and the American dream and how it trips us up fucks us over, whatever, mm-hmm. um, or how we remix it or how we run from it. Um, <laughs> and so that's what a lot, and then I realized that a lot of my work um, is about people getting back to their authentic selves. Mm. Um, okay. So that, those are the things I'm interested in. And and then also like this gritty shit, like I want to write some like gritty drug shit. Um, <laughs> but that's my, that's the dichotomy. Right. You know? yeah. That's the dichotomy. So. so-
2: Back when I first met you, I don't know three four years ago, we did a um, we did the black scene. Yes. At the Writers Guild.
5: Yes. And, and
2: um, which was one of my
5: first times, like having my television work mm-hmm. read aloud. That was an amazing event for me. Thank you, first of all, oh, for yeah. putting that on. Well, you,
2: you had one of my favorite ones. Actually, probably my favorite one. Yeah. Oh, and so she wrote this script. Was that something you just wrote for that particular event, or was it, that something? I, I had something it else?
5: already. I had it as a scene already um, okay. that I was gonna expand. I still haven't expanded it, but I want to. But yeah.
2: <laughs> Tell <laughs> me what that was about, really quick. Uh, it's, it's, it's about two characters in a bar. It's fucking amazing.
5: It's called Two Guys in a Bar, and it's mm-hmm. about two retired superhero superheroes. Who are just basically shooting the shit at the bar. Um, mm. One is now a security guard in Burbank, um, and one is on the, <laughs> the speaking circuit. Um, and they're just talking about like the old days, and you know, one is a little bitter. The security guard is a little bitter, um, and yeah, that's that's the scene.
2: Yeah, but at the end, there's a big reveal. Oh, that, at the end, yeah.
5: yes, at the end, they they kind of have one last hurrah. Where yeah. they go and save some people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute, but in that you could see what was that, Ariel? I said that's
4: a great concept.
2: Yeah, it's really really good. Yeah, and yeah. I mean it stood out for me. You yeah. know, is definitely probably the best one in there. And um, I remember because a couple of my friends, like Paul guillo and them came. yeah like, dude. That script right there. We need to see the whole script of that. Yeah, I, and that was like, <laughs> oh,
5: I need to get to it. And actually, I pitched it at, M- at NBC when I was in Writers on the Verge. They were like, ah. <laughs> <God damn>. <laughs> <laughs> but but speaking of Paul, Paul wrote this amazing, amazing, just like thoughts on Tinder that had me blown away. On like, that was beautiful. Like Paul is been has been so supportive of my career. So thank you so much, Paul, for mm-hmm. like just seeing me and seeing my work. Uh, mm-hmm. That's great. But yes, awesome. that, that black scene was like so gratifying on so many levels to, to hear the work by professional actors mm-hmm. and to direct them. I didn't really tell them anything, but mm-hmm. uh, it, was, <laughs> it was so nice. But yeah. that is a
2: scene you could do that could show a whole nother side of you. I yeah, think. I was thinking
5: about shooting it. It's funny you because I mean? that was when I was thinking of what I wanted to shoot to mm-hmm. get my feet wet directing wise, that, that definitely came up. Oh, right. sorry, do I want to shoot this? Um well let me know. Talk to me.
2: I'd love to help I'll, you cuz we talked about good. it a little bit yeah. before. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
5: we'll, we'll keep yeah. talking. All right.
2: Cuz I know a bunch <laughs> of people with some cool bars we might be able to get a, a cuz we can picture. make that
5: that could even be social distancing. You know what I mean? Yes. Like they could All be right. sitting two mm-hmm. a, a stool away. Mm-hmm. So All right. Thank you about Okay. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hmm. But I, I am working on um, an indie feature that's called Alameda uh, that is inspired by my mother, my sister, and my niece. And so my goal was to shoot a, a proof of concept for that this summer, but that's not going to happen. But that's, that, would be, that was going to be my next thing um, and ho- use that to show that, that I would be able to direct the feature. It's about three generations of Black women in Baltimore putting themselves out there um, and both like emotionally sexually um and uh socially
4: nice
5: nice yeah. how, Felicia,
3: how how are you keeping yourself productive and creative as we're all dealing with this covid situation
5: yeah i actually think i've been doing too much i need to slow down <laughs> i mean the tender release took a lot um shout out to like amber who's my right mm-hmm. hand and our producer regina amber. and jasu that's the the tender release team and um it, it took a lot out of me. Also, I didn't realize I've never had people comment on my work in real time like that. Mm. Um, so it is, like, a lot to process. It's right. beautiful and wonderful, but it's still, like, a lot of, like, a I don't know. I wouldn't say adrenaline, but maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was a lot. And then I've been... Um, I actually am starting in a new writer's room in a week or so. Are you
3: really? Yeah.
5: So I'm excited about that. Um, and then I've been working on like, you know, the pressure of like, oh, let me hop on these projects because you don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. So I've got sucked up into that. Yeah. Um, so that, that's that been, I think I've been a little bit too busy and a little spread too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've actually been taking these last few days to kind of rest and relax. Mm-hmm. Um.
2: What uh, what level are you on now? Will you, will you be starting?
5: Executive it? story editor.
2: Nice. E S C. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Thank Good. You. I Thank love you. it. I love it. Congrats.
4: I have a question. Um, can you talk about a little about your own writing process, like when you're working on your own, like how you go into it? Like, do you have like a set practice that you do? Is there something that you like to like wake up in the morning and you do it like this, like every day, or are you kind of more loose with it? Like, how do you approach your own writing practice?
5: Um, I'm definitely very disciplined um, because I have so many stories I need to tell and I need to get through them. Um, So I definitely have uh, like a daily practice. um, And I approach every project, you know, first through development, development, you know, developing of characters, and themes and really trying to understand what this is about and what I'm trying to say um, and I spend a lot of time there and I spend a lot of time in like the beat sheet whiteboarding outlining stage so mm-hmm. um, I, I spend a lot of time in outline because my, my goal is to throw up a draft like I want to be f- f- as through that draft as quickly as possible so I get the rewriting mm-hmm. um, so in my outline stage I try to get feedback on the outline um, I'm in two writers groups right now um, that I can share work with. Um, But yeah, I I spent a lot of time in the outline stage um, trying to work out as many story problems as possible throw up a draft and then get into rewriting as quickly as possible. Um, mm-hmm. And I try to, i learned this from Kevin, who's a teacher at script anatomy, his system for stacking projects. He always tries to have a project. He's actively developing, actively writing, actively rewriting and actively polishing, polishing or pitching. And so, so that's how I, <laughs> that's how I try to move through projects. Exactly so, like, right. exactly yeah, exactly. Good. So I, and then, so I structured my day like that. Like mm-hmm. for me, the most brain intensive is the writing. Mm -hmm. and then i go into anything that i may be rewriting um and then i go into anything that i might be developing or polishing and that's how i structure my day and then even when i'm in a writer's room i write in the morning before i go to the room
2: oh wow Wow. that's that's yeah that's hard that's That's hard hard. but but do you want it though that's that's what it's about
5: you know? I'm sure. Let me tell you, like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm a I'm a late bloomer, as people <laughs> say. Um, so I have a lot of making up to do. Um, but also, I just have a lot of I have a lot of projects that I want to tell. And I and I try to be very strategic about the projects that I take on, particularly like right. open writing assignments, because I have to love it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, if you don't love it, it's really no point. I don't even know how you get through it. You know, so.
2: Oh, I've written them. Believe me,
5: <laughs> it's, it's just Like, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 exactly.
2: So. Yeah, but sometimes, sometimes you know, mama needs clothes, brother needs shoes. <laughs> <laughs> the, hello,
5: I yeah. mean, a check is a check. Let me yes. tell you, and, and it will yes. get it will get done when the checks attached too. Mm-hmm. Right. So, now I did mm-hmm. notice a
3: couple of things on your website. I think you have a couple of virtual screenings coming up.
5: Yes. Um, so. Sure. For tender and shout out. You mentioned the music. Shout out to Asha Santi. Yes, um, Santi, who uh, is behind the force behind all the music, alongside uh, one of the groups Asha's in uh, called Boomscat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so between Asha and Boomscat, they have all the music, and we have a playlist. That's oh, all. Uh, yeah, Bitly slash Tender playlist, um, yes. which is like four hours of just getting into just a vibe um and uh we had a virtual watch party last week that went i was so nervous but it went really well and we had a chat with cast Mm -hmm. and crew and then on uh coming up this Saturday, oh well may 23rd um i'm hosting a case study where i'm going to walk through sort of just my process from script to release of nice, Nice. um so you know script showing my lookbook, uh pre-production you know, day of and then release because I'm I'm all about distribution and the importance of that. So I'm going to talk about that as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's the 23rd. I have to mark my nice. calendar. And one of the things,
2: <laughs> speaking of your team, you were just bringing up a minute ago, Josu and them. I mean, you guys. I, I went on your website. And I was looking at. I mean, you guys are really organized. I mean, there's a <laughs> lot on there that it's showing this project and we could do this and more yeah. and more and more. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like really yeah. putting you out there. I was like, wow, if this was a feature film,
5: this would be a huge I, hit. I mean, I rolled it out like a feature, right? Like I yeah, was like, I told him, I was like, yeah. <laughs> which might've been a little extra, but you know, I think also I was just excited because this is what I used to do for other people as an impact right. producer, right? I used to develop campaigns and mm-hmm. strategies to help them, help the work connect with audiences.
0: Mm-hmm. So to
5: be able to do it for a project that I worked on um and also i also really strongly believe it is my duty if people have poured their time and energy into something it is my duty to make sure people see it period you know so i feel very strongly about that and also in 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 the intended audience sees it and beyond um so it was just putting a lot of the work and that's why things are so great like even though you like oh sometimes i'm like i just had so many careers and i went in so many directions but now it's all coming full circle um all those skills of developing campaigns is I'm able to yep. put it to use for, for and that's, our projects.
2: And that's something I talk about a lot on the show is I never go through life wondering why I went through something. Mm. Even, even a horrible script I had to write for somebody or whatever. I'm like, Ooh, now I can do that sci-fi thing. I never thought I could do that. Mm-hmm. But whatever it, it's always mm-hmm. something else. I always take it in the positive. Yes. And, and the thing that I've learned the most is years ago I went to, um, Utah for a month to, um, to work with this huge producer and I was his assistant wow. and he was a huge line producer and I learned everything about line producing mm-hmm. but he put me through kind of like the karate kid situations. <laughs> everything I was like why am I doing this? Why I'm like, a am I wash off, wax on, wax on <laughs> and it all came back now so like literally when I finished after a month I came home mm-hmm. I cannot walk into a building or a, somebody's house without thinking how could I shoot this
0: Mm. i can't
2: mm-hmm. i walk in a room and logistics is on my brain Base mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. camp is there this is how i can't help it you mm-hmm. know what i mean and so but it's taught me that so whenever people work with me like god dude i feel like we're on a real set I was like because i know how to make it feel like that yeah even, even yeah. if we have fifty thousand dollars <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah No,
5: i love that and i feel like i'm just embracing that more and more as i you know get older and it's just like but. Oh, this is why I was doing that or why I went through that experience. Exactly what you're saying. Like, it all comes full circle. It all comes full circle. For sure.
2: For sure. Yeah. That's what's up. Well, thank you, Felicia.
5: This is awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. I, I have to tell my, sis, my sister loves you guys. Awesome. So I'm going to make sure that, and of course, got to send it to my mama. But thank you so much. And also, hey, Hilliard, mama. thank you for the your service. You know, you do so much in the writers community and for the WGA and for this. So, and your support, you were always like, just welcoming to me and embracing as I was like, you know, new to this.
2: Because I knew she was going to be a star. That's all. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be the one. I had to be the one who said it. I seen it. As soon as she walked in. Okay. I was like,
5: <laughs> but, um, so I appreciate that. And then Lisa and Ariel, like, just, I've just lit up just... you first of all, just people watching your work period is a big deal, so thank mm-hmm. you for taking the time, but just thinking about it so thoughtfully, I real and talking about it so thoughtfully, thank you so much, <laughs> like that means the world, I'm literally going to be replaying it when I'm down <laughs> in the dumps, feeling like <laughs> shit, like <laughs> let me go ahead and play yeah, yeah, what Lisa yeah. and Ariel was talking about <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: all we're doing is telling the truth, just real. The truth. <laughs> thank you,
5: There's
3: thank work. y'all for I appreciate
5: y'all, for real, for real, yeah, thank
3: definitely. you I'm actually going to
2: sing this out to a couple of people too. Um, I might have to talk to Jasu about this, but I got a couple of people I think I want to see this. I think you can start directing some TV.
3: Yes.
5: thank you, thank you. I yeah, want my 10%. So. But yeah. You, know. you take checks. You take checks. Yes, bitch.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, guys.
5: Thank you. This was so um, much fun. Yes. So
2: um, where can people find you on, on uh, Twitter and Instagram or whatever?
5: Yeah, you can watch Tender Movie. I mean, you can watch Tender at TenderMovie.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Felicia Pride.
2: Awesome.
4: What about you, Ariel? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Arielle Ramos, A R I E L L E R A M O S. And you can find me on Twitter at Queef underscore Latina. <laughs> Q- <laughs> w-
3: that is my favorite. <laughs> L-A-T-I-N-A.
4: So, right. I
3: love it. <laughs> I love it.
2: Since queer kids today. <laughs> oh, my God.
3: I love it. Yeah. i love it <laughs> well, oh you are Lisa Lisa Colt, J. well you know i'm on what fresh hell is this so just look for the black mermaid and i'm always <laughs> there and i've done really well i've actually slowly started coming back inter- interacting more on twitter yes i used to be twitter-, twitter fiend and i weaned myself but i'm slowly coming back
5: <laughs> I, see you. I see you on the feeds okay. i see you in the streets <laughs> <laughs> i see you. Try, I try.
3: i'm really working on being polite and supportive, <laughs> and, then, and then I jump to my burner accounts when I just really need to say what I need to say. <laughs> you know. I have this plural, accounts, you know. you're like, yeah, I got uh, five too. of them. <laughs> 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 like, like, when, when I was watching the verses the other night with Ludacris and Nelly, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, let me jump on the burner account. Okay, y'all need to reschedule this. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you cannot play this song. It's like, I can't tell them on my real name, but I'll get on the other side and be like, look, this is what you need to do. <laughs> It's <laughs> hilarious.
2: I I don't left. Left <laughs> what they used to do when we were in the we were in the playground. Whoever lovely their mama put their hand on the Bible.
3: Yes! <laughs> <laughs> okay, fight, fight,
5: what? fight. Oh my God. Um oh my
2: God. <laughs> well, thank you, Felicia. We appreciate you. Thank you, you so off.
5: much for having and, me. This has been a blast.
2: For sure. And I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show. Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, whatever the hell you listen to, wherever All those things. You know, whatever whatever it is, there's one. Um, We also have a Patreon page, so please hit us up there to, you know, uh, support the show. We appreciate that shit. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I never even mentioned that goddamn thing. Um, And we're on Facebook, of course, you know, stuff like that um shout out to Chris wherever he is doing his thing and uh, we will see you guys next week of course everybody joining with me for 2020 on um, this show we keep it real we keep it opinionated we keep it what everybody 2020,
5: 2020. 2020.
2: Peace, y'all
1: i what I feel and I promise to keep it real welcome to the rainbow